1: Today is Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. On this day in 1792, King Louis XVI of France was ordered to stand trial for high crimes against France. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast today we're covering the resolution by the French National Convention to put King Louis XVI on trial. After detaining him in August of 1792, a newly formed legislative committee known as the National Convention debated the grounds on which they could try the deposed monarch. In an unprecedented move, the group eventually decided it would serve as the court and jury to hear the King's crimes. The road to his hearing before the National Convention had been long for King Louis XVI. Prior to being detained, he'd served as France's monarch for 18 years, but now he'd been stripped of his noble titles. He was simply known as Citizen Louis Capet. After four long months spent jailed with his family in Paris, Citizen Capet was both eager and terrified for any sort of update about his freedom. As the men of the convention debated amongst themselves whether it was legal to try Louis, another topic also circulated. Should the former king be executed? A guilty verdict, if they were to proceed, would likely make this question unavoidable. While the monarchy had been dissolved in August and the French state had declared itself a republic in September, the legislature still leaned in favor of giving the former king due process. If he was tried before a court and indeed found guilty, then he would be subject to the same punishment as any other citizen of the republic. But still, members of the legislature talked in circles In theory, the 1791 Constitution, which was still valid when Louis had been arrested, didn't stipulate he could be tried as an ordinary citizen. Many deputies of the convention were concerned that as a court, they didn't hold the power to reprimand the former monarch, aside from removing him from the throne. But those who had long opposed the reign of Louis and his wife, Queen Marie Antoinette, Maximilien Robespierre, for example, was vocal in his belief that Louis be executed. Robespierre believed that when the French people stormed the royal palace months earlier, that had been confirmation enough that the monarchy was not only detested, but dead. Subsequently, he believed that meant the French people wanted the king dead but due process prevailed, and Louis was decreed to be given a trial before the national convention in Paris. But that didn't mean his head was guaranteed to stay on his shoulders. Up next, the former king meets his fate.
2: Hi, it's Greg. I want to tell you about a fantastic podcast show I know you'll love that dives deep into some of history's most notorious leaders. It's called Dictators, and every Tuesday it examines the reign of a real-life tyrant, exploring the unique conditions that allowed them to seize control. Dictators have a never-ending thirst for power. Some seize this power through force, others through deceit, and all of them won't hesitate to eliminate anybody who stands in their way. You can hear episodes on dictators from the Roman Empire like Caligula, World War II dictators like Benito Mussolini, female dictators like Isabella of France, and many more. There are over 40 episodes available to binge right now that I know you'll find fascinating. Discover the governments that fell, the lives that were destroyed, and evil at its highest level. Follow Dictators Free on Spotify
0: or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Now, back to the story. After being detained in a Paris prison for four months, former French King Louis XVI was taken to trial by the country's newly assembled National Assembly. He was to be judged for alleged high crimes against France throughout his 18 year reign. A week after he was formally ordered to stand trial, Louis's hearings before the legislature, known as the convention, began. While he was able to have a modest defense on his side, their expertise was brought in too little, too late. The hope of crafting a defense that might save the former king appeared more futile with each passing day of hearings. Louis was adamant that he was innocent. Further, he claimed that the convention wasn't within legal grounds to try him but his own actions were soon brought as evidence against him. The convention's prosecution pointed out the king's shortcomings and failures while serving as France's sovereign and represented him as opposed to French liberty. Ultimately, Louis's indignant replies got the best of him. He was seen as defensive and arrogant while being cross-examined, which may have sped the jury to its conclusion. Just over a month later, the convention announced its final verdict. The former king was deemed guilty on dozens of counts, including charges such as conspiracy with foreign powers. But determining that Louis was guilty didn't necessarily conclude the issue. There was still the matter of what was to be done with him. While the general public seemed to want the king executed with haste, those inside the convention were split. One faction called the Jacobins favored his execution. The other, known as the Girondins, wanted a more measured approach. Seeing the unrest within the country and the precarious state of the young French Republic, the Girondins thought that justice should determine whether Louis should be executed. The Girondins got their trial but were outvoted. On January 19, 1792, a slight majority of the convention voted in favor of executing Louis XVI. While King Louis XVI's trial served as a major turning point of the French Revolution, the anger building up to his execution had been simmering for years. By the time of his trial, the country's economy was tattered and deeply in debt. Knowing the royal family had spent the past 18 years living in splendor while the rest of the nation suffered, left an increasingly bitter taste in the mouths of France's citizens. Though Louis inherited the bulk of the nation's financial ruin from his predecessor, the 16th King proved he was a lackluster politician at the very best. When Louis first took the throne, he had plans to institute various reforms. But when these changes proved too difficult to push through, he backed down and retreated to a life of luxury. The storming of the Bastille prison in July of 1789 indicated that there was widespread desire to end monarchical rule. The common people were rising up to take matters into their own hands. A new era was dawning in the nation. And Louis' last desperate effort to negotiate with the country's estates general representatives in 1789 failed and only hastened the revolution further. It was clear he wouldn't create any sort of meaningful change for the country's ordinary citizens. The third estate within the Estates General, known as the Commons Estate, then seized the opportunity to break off and form the National Assembly, the very body that would become the National Convention and ultimately judge the king for his crimes. Public patience with the king all but ended in June of 1791, when the royal family attempted to quietly flee their palace, Fearing that it would eventually be taken by revolutionaries, Louis and his wife, Queen Marie-Antoinette, dressed down as ordinary servants and fled. But the family was spotted before reaching refuge in Montmédy, a town near the border of the Australian Netherlands. They were brought back to Paris, where both Louis and Marie-Antoinette were detained. After Louis's trial, his execution was scheduled for January 21st, 1793. After being taken from his cell in the prison known as the temple, Louis was led throughout the city to his final destination, the guillotine. At just 38 years old, he stood before the crowds of Paris. In his last moments, Louis proclaimed his innocence before he was ultimately beheaded. His wife, Marie Antoinette, met a similar fate nine months later. After a brief two-day trial before Paris's revolutionary tribunal, Marie Antoinette was convicted on counts of treason, theft, and other crimes in mid-October of 1793. Like her husband, she was sentenced to death by guillotine. As Louis XVI had been, Marie was beheaded in Paris's Place de la Révolution on October 16, 1793. While the people of Paris thought the gruesome royal executions signaled a new era of freedom and democracy, the young republic faced continued turmoil. The revolution waged on for nearly six more years until 1799. Beginning with the fall 1793 overthrow of the monarchy, the year-long reign of terror saw thousands of French nationals arrested and executed in the streets of Paris. The unrest continued for years and spread across Europe, but tapered off in the wake of the November 1799 coup d'etat by Napoleon Bonaparte. The young general soon became the country's emperor and led France into the namesake Napoleonic era at the dawn of the 19th century. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. To hear more about the rises and falls of the world's nobility, check out Famous Fates on Spotify. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Mackenzie Moore, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon and fact-checking by Claire Cronin. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
2: Don't forget to check out the Dictators Podcast. Every Tuesday, they go deep into the minds of some of history's most despised despots. You'll get insight into their rise to power and the impact of their downfall. Search for
0: Dictators in the Spotify app and listen free today.